This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mark Morris, and my co-host is here, Jared Mariyama. Yes, Hi, Jared. I am here. Boy, you, you got <laughs> to normalize that somehow. I, no, I'm always left sort of waiting. It's so for... much more fun making you feel awkward and not knowing what's going on. <laughs> or you, or you. I hope the other people enjoy it, but I mean, as long as I'm having fun, that's really all that yes. matters. Yes, definitely. So what are we doing today, Mark? This is um, another movie review. This one is Pixar's latest, Coco. Yes, um, I very actually, exciting. I just saw it this morning, um, so it's super fresh for me. Um, but we are. this intro is a little bit different than our other intros. So normally we'll record the episode... And then kind of do, I don't know, like a, not a recap, but kind of, I don't know, you, what am I trying to say here? Well, like we, we, re, we talk about it usually that the, the episode is in the past and that like, oh, it went there really well or yes. you know, it, it was a lot of fun. But this time <laughs> we can't lie and say that it went well because we have no idea. It could be a disaster. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun. I mean, these movie reviews, we've done two so far and they've both been pretty fun. And then the Muppets Roundtable is kind of a similar thing as well. Um, but I always have fun with these these type of episodes, so I'm sure this will go fine. Um, but we do have first-time Squared Co. podcast guests joining us for this review. We have Dan the Pixar Man and Gavin Audison. Dan the Pixar Fan. Oh, Dan sorry. The Pixar. I mean, you could call him <laughs> it that. It just rolled off the tongue. Right, I, right, it, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so Dan is a huge Pixar fan. He's also a big Star Wars fan, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about all of that in the episode. He's got a website, uh, a blog that he uh, he does a lot of reviews of uh, Pixar-specific merchandise, but um, Dan will mm-hmm. talk about that on the show. He can explain it better than I. And uh, Gavin has his own uh, podcast, uh, the Animation Station podcast uh, that he co-hosts, and they talk about a new animated film. I, I don't even know the frequency of this thing at this point. I don't know if it's every week but they pick a new uh, film, whether it's a contemporary one or, or a, an older film, and they uh, discuss that on the show. So both of them Very have cool. uh, pretty good pedigrees for an animated film review. So we're lucky to have them with us. Yes. So I'm excited to have the conversation with them. I'm sure it'll be fun. But yeah, this one is all about Coco. And if you aren't already following these guys, like if you're not, if you didn't get brought here because of them, we will leave links to how to get in touch or in contact mm-hmm. with them and their blogs and podcasts uh, in our show notes. Also a warning, so, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. Uh, oh yeah, so if you have not seen be. this film and you don't want to know anything about it beforehand, uh, then don't listen. This, go see the film. This is your warning. Yes, go this see the film. And then see. This is your only warning, I think. Right. We, we might do it again, but uh, we're going to probably <laughs> jump right in with spoilers. So... Uh, yeah, you've been warned. Um, okay, so before we jump into the Coco review episode, uh, we do have something special lined up for the rest of this week. So this is going to be a jam-packed week of Squared Co. content, uh, Squared Co. podcast content. So we mentioned these guys several times in the past. The Master of One podcast. Uh, it's a 
podcast that has three co-hosts and Jared and I actually met in a way because of them mm-hmm. and we had the opportunity to sit down and interview each one of them individually and we will be rolling out those episodes throughout the rest of the week. I don't want to get too much into it because this intro is already getting pretty long, but we do sit down with each one of them and it kind of works as a trilogy. Um, we definitely recommend you listen if you listen to one of them, listen to all three of them. So we ask them the same questions and it's it goes really well together to see how each of them answered them similarly and differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, our thanks to them for sitting down with us. We appreciate it. Those guys are super busy and it was nice of them to uh, each of them to take time out of their schedule to uh, talk to us. Uh, so thank you to those guys. And I think that's all I have. Should we get to it? <laughs> uh yeah let's do it so here is the coco movie review enjoy all right welcome to the show mr dan taylor the pixar fan and gavin (laughs) ottenson no, Audison. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, Jared, this will be your debut for entering G16 I'm not going to get this. You, hey, I like, liked it. These are the easiest <laughs> names, too. So we actually. Yeah, at least you didn't say the Pixar man. I get well, that all the time. Oh, too. well, just wait, wait till, till you, you hear, hear our, our intro. Our intro. <laughs> <laughs> it would seem that like a roll, relatively that just rolls easy. Off the tongue, name. though, Dan, the Pixar man. Yeah, well, maybe I'll change it then. I'll no, redo no, my logo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're just going to go with that. So that's our intro, whether you like it or not. Um, clunky, but we, clunky. <laughs> do, do you expect anything else from me? Come on, Jared. <laughs> All right. So uh, we are here today talking all about Pixar's latest film, Coco. I know that I just saw it probably most recently. Uh, What about everybody else? Jared, when did you see this film? Uh, I saw it opening day, opening morning, like a 10 o'clock show or something like that. Um, So we had reserved seats because I don't wait in line anymore. And I just wanted to make sure I like I was so panicked I wasn't going to catch a showing uh, over this busy weekend. So right. uh, I just try to go as soon as I possibly could. Um, actually, you know what? Before I get the answer from the gentleman, our guest, actually, let me yes. um, we'll go one at a time. So we'll start with Dan. Um, you actually have a lot of knowledge in the Pixar world. You have your own blog. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the, the blog that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's DanThePixarFan.com. I started it back in 2013, right around the time of Monsters University. Um, and ultimately, it's a blog dedicated to my personal collection of, of Pixar toys, collectibles, uh, clothing, memorabilia, uh, events, uh, anything Pixar related in that sense. Anything that I go to, like a, um, like a screening, a review of the films. I cover a lot of that kind of stuff, but mostly it's the merchandise and... Um, I do a blog post every day, kind of giving my thoughts and my reviews on said merchandise. And I've been keeping it going pretty strong for the last, uh, last you know, I guess we're at four and a half years now. And I try to get a post up daily and really introduce other fans to the cool stuff that's out there. Awesome. So how did you end up choosing uh, Pixar as your kind of fandom that you're going to build a blog around? 
What was it about yeah, the good Pixar question. world and Pixar films? Yeah, great question. Because um, I do have a lot of fandoms. I do have, I, I like a lot of things. I'm a big film fan. Uh, Star Wars is another one of my big fandoms that I've collected from from a, a, an of early course. age. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so for Pixar, though, um, I, I started, it was, like I said, it was 2013, and I started getting involved talking to um, some of the few other smaller sites out there that, that uh, were covering Pixar news. And there were plenty of them out there at the time. And, and I figured, you know, I would like to write my thoughts on Pixar, but it seems like it's more than covered. Um, that's when I had the idea uh, to document my collection because I thought, hey, I have a cool collection. That's a, a unique spin I haven't seen out there yet um, to, to cover the merchandise aspect of Pixar. Um, and so that's when I did that. And I really honestly thought it would maybe last a couple weeks or <laughs> last a couple weeks, a couple months. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and it's, and it's still going. And so I'm, I'm, you know, the experiences I've had, the friends I've made, you know, Jared being one of them, it's really been a life changing experience. Um, and really the reason to answer the question even more, the reason I chose Pixar was it seemed like less uh, charted territory. There there still mm. isn't. Um, to this day, not a lot of sites out there. There's maybe four or five core sites that are really uh, consistent. Mm. And um, Star Wars, I mean, there's there's ton of it out there. Yeah. And a lot of the other fandoms, there's ton yeah. of it out there. And so that's, that's another reason uh, why I chose that. And it's really worked out well, absolutely. So Dan, I'm a big collector too of toys, not as not as crazed as you are. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I wanted to ask you, and you could not answer this question if you want to, but you have so much stuff, and it's not mm-hmm. just like little things. It's it's it kind of covers like a wide spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. How do you budget for this kind of stuff? Like you, you must seriously have to kind of budget for for the especially when it when a new release is coming and you know there's going to be this onslaught of merchandise and stuff like do you have to think ahead and sort of plan around these things dude and i'll tell you sometimes when there's two pixar movies in a year like <laughs> like this year i had cars 3 and coco and then one year let's see it was inside out and the good dinosaur mm-hmm. uh, so and then i like i said and i have the star wars movies that come out and i'm a collector for those right exactly. um usually honestly uh they come out at great times because the the June Pixar releases are right around my birthday. Every <laughs> single every single time, the merch is out right before uh, my birthday. So that always works. I got family and friends that really hook me up and they they uh, <laughs> help me out there. My wife is really uh, is uh, you know she's uh, supportive and you know I don't yeah and I don't I, even though it does seem I go totally nuts and, and get everything. I really am. Compared to what's really out there, the the amount of stuff that's out there, I am really quite selective, uh, in a in a sense, or I only get the things that really stand out. I don't have everything that has the Pixar brand or the Disney name on right. it. Um, I I do like quality items, things that really stick out to me, must haves. Um, yeah, as yeah. a collector, awesome. Well, uh, people who are listening, make sure if you haven't already, go to Dan's blog, and you can see just how uh, crazy his collection is, because um, I think it's pretty. I mean. I think it's it's an impressive collection of, of stuff. Um, but our other guest that we have to, tonight with us to talk about this is no stranger to animation. He's also an artist himself, and that is Gavin uh, Audison. Gavin, can you tell everybody what you do uh, for a living and then talk a little bit about the, the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So like Jared said, I am an artist and a podcaster. And really, our, our podcast is called the Animation Station Podcast, and we do basically what we're doing here tonight. We just sit around and we review and discuss and geek out over animated movies. 
And uh, you know, we we haven't decided if we're going to do a Pixar review or a Coco review. So I'm really excited that I got to jump in here with you guys and do this one. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, we we cover the entire gamut of animation. We do you know the entire timeline of animation. So we do old movies, new movies, and we do movies from around the world. Uh, we've done movies from Ireland and from France and from Italy and from. Uh, of course, Japan, um, mm -hmm. obviously lots of American movies, but we try to hit the, the entire spectrum and, you know, give our audience, you know, lots of exposure to, um, you know, their favorites, but also new films that maybe they've never seen before. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we also bring on a lot of guests. We have a lot of uh, voiceover artists that come on and, and talk about what they do. We oh, have cool. uh, had cool. a Disney artist or two come on and talk about what they do. We, we've even... Um, interviewed people that are, you know, kind of behind the scenes creatives at companies like Rooster Teeth and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we kind of are a, a catch-all, um, just kind of geek spot for all things animation, uh, including anime and, you know, all the different genres. So check us out, uh, Animation Station Podcast. Um, but then uh, I'm also an artist. I'm a freelance artist for hire. And uh, I... I guess I would describe myself as uh, a late blooming up and comer. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I went to school for art back in the '90s, and uh, and then I was one of those classic examples who kind of let life happen, and all of a sudden a decade went by and I didn't do any art. So I'm kind of trying to jump back into the pool right now and and make some things happen. So so we actually, uh, we being Squared Co., one of the, the, the many legs that Squared Co. has um, is printing. And we actually did some printing for you for um, one of your prints. It's, that was for, I'm sorry, I can't D23 remember. D23 Expo. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, so that was for uh, the painting that I had at the D23 Expo Design Challenge this year, uh, which was a huge honor to be a part of that. You know, every year or every time they do the Expo, which is every other year, they do a design mm -hmm. challenge which allows fans to, you know, send in their submissions and hopefully get displayed at the convention. They pick 23 finalists out of God only knows how many entrants, you know, sent mm -hmm. in sketches. Uh, so it was a, a great honor to be a part of that. And the response that I got from the painting that I did was overwhelmingly positive. Um, and then subsequently, the response I got from the prints that you guys did for me was also positive. So it was it was a win-win. Awesome. One of the things that I, I really like about that that piece is all of the Easter eggs in it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I am... I can even come close to being able to, I don't know, pick them all out. There's so many. Every time I look at it, I see new ones in there. Yeah. There's how much, how much time did you have to do like research to come up with that whole list and then put them all in there? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, my wife and I spent about two days brainstorming ideas <laughs> and we probably came up with about 200 items to put into it and we had oh to narrow that down to 50 because the whole idea behind the painting was it was celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Pirates of the Caribbean okay. so we wanted to hide mm -hmm. 50 Disney treasures in that famous treasure room scene from the attraction and right. so you know narrowing it down to the ones that made the most sense that were like treasure and 
you know, there's a million princess crowns throughout the Disney canon. So we had to narrow it down to like a few <laughs> iconic ones so it didn't get too repetitive. Right. And then I also wanted to make sure that there were some really challenging ones. So only like the Disney super fan would be able to recognize certain objects in there. Uh, yep, so, yep. yeah, it was it was a fun challenge and I was really excited and, and pleased with the way it turned out. Yeah, absolutely. It must have been exciting to see it uh, at, at such a big Disney event, too, uh, on the wall and next to some other pretty impressive pieces. Um, so was that your first D23 uh, Expo? No, that was my... I've been to every one except for the first one. So, oh, okay. So I'm a seasoned D23 Expo veteran. Cool. <laughs> awesome. So uh, there you go. You have... Uh, some very impressive guests here to do this Coco review. I think we're uh, we've got some hardcore fans here, so I'm interested. I'm so interested <laughs> to hear what what everyone has to say about this film. Um, but before we jump in, and I'll let Mark sort of navigate when we jump right in. I wanted to ask everybody what their favorite Pixar film is, and and I do that knowing how terrible this question is, <laughs> uh, especially for fans of, of Pixar and. You know, you could break it down into all these subgenres of what makes it a favorite and and all that. But if you had to pick just one, uh, just we'll one go around the just one, oh. uh, your favorite movie. So we'll go around the horn here, Mark. Why don't you start so that we can give these guys some time to panic and, and get what's your favorite <laughs> Pixar? Yeah, film? we we should have given you guys a heads up on this one. This is a tough one. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, okay, you know it's I. This might be surprising to some because it's. I don't know. I the two that I go to that I really love and I can rewatch over and over again. Um, it's Up and Wally. But if we mm -hmm. have to choose one, I would say Up. Okay, um, that's a good one. Do we need more of a background on that, or well, we no, if you want to, <laughs> it's up to you. Well, you <laughs> know, okay. So there's four of us here, and we're supposed to talk about Coco. I just don't want to spend too much too time. <laughs> Going deep in because, you know, this is just going to take us down a rabbit hole if we start talking about all these other Pixar films. So well, I'll just pressure of, with that. So the pressure up. of this question <laughs> is that it it sets like if people are listening and they don't know who we are individually, this sets <laughs> the bar as to like, oh, well, he picked that for his number one film. So, his, <laughs> you know, like that's where it kind of gives us some a grounding. Um, so for me, I'd say this is a terrible answer, but I'm going to say it. It's Toy Story 3. Uh, but that's because of the backing of the other two films. Like, I, I understand that three can't exist without the other two. And there'll be all kinds of arguments about then one should be your favorite <laughs> film. And, and this is it. So, uh, but I'm going to say Toy Story 3 with uh, Up as a very close second. Uh, and and trust me, that is a very tortured uh, answer. <laughs> like, you know, I could probably argue a million different ways, but uh, I'll go with that for the sake of this. So Gavin... Why don't you go next? Yeah, no problem. I uh, I love this question because I'm an obsessive <laughs> ranker of all things that I love. I'm always making <laughs> rank lists in my head, so I'm always prepared with an answer for this. And Very good. I, I, figure. I am of the rare class that considers Cars my favorite Pixar movie. I love Cars. Wow. wow. I love it so, so much. I, never I, thought I, I can't even that tell that you. As an answer. I know. I'm in rare company. I understand this, but I can <laughs> I can talk and discuss and debate cars for hours. It is my absolute favorite. I'm gonna spoil something a little bit here and say it <laughs> as of last night, it now has competition for me. 
Wow. Wow. That's good to know. Okay. Um, so lots of questions there, obviously, and we might've lost a few <laughs> listeners right there at that point, but we're going to, we're going to move on and, and let Dan give us his. Gavin, I'm still listening to man. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to list as my favorite, but it literally is, there's so much heart. I, I don't know why it gets the hate. I'm going to back you on that, but I do have a different <laughs> answer. Um, you know, it, it's kind of easy for me to say my favorite because I have it in my mind. It always will be, but it's hard for me to rank at this point, especially 19 films. Yeah, man. I, I so many of them are, are tied. So many of them are depending on my mood that I'm mm-hmm. in, that I want to watch. So that is impossible for me, but my favorite will always be toy story. It's it's, it has so much, uh, nostalgia for, for me because that's what started this whole passion for Pixar but beyond that it, it's just so classic and it's just it's just so uh so brilliant in the story the storytelling and the characters are so iconic uh their their first film knocked it out of the park for me and I'm gonna if I could say all three and lump them into one all three Toy Stories I would <laughs> but I'll stick with the one that started it all Toy Story very good. good answer. All right. Um, all right. So now that we got that out of the way, let's jump into the real reason we're here, which is Coco. So we gave you a little bit of a, you know, heads up on kind of some of these questions. So let's start with. Um, I'll start with this one. So, uh, like, what was everybody's knowledge on this film before going into to see it? Um, for me. It was very, very limited. I had just seen the trailers. So all the knowledge I had was just whatever they gave us in the trailers. Okay. Uh, So let's go to Gavin because I have a feeling Dan and I are probably similar answers (laughs) on this. But let's go to Gavin next. Yeah. So my my background knowledge of it was a little bit limited, kind of like Mark. I'm not necessarily a huge spoiler avoider, but I also am not a trailer hunter. So I don't. You know, when right. they when they rolled out the first teaser, I was sold, and I don't know that I saw another trailer for it. Um, you know, I don't have TV, so I don't see them during commercials or anything like that, and I don't seek them out because no matter what, I know I'm going to see the next Pixar film. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really yeah. need it, but, you know, I, I did have a little background knowledge on it, um, just, you know, following blogs and, and following, you know, all the Disney and Pixar things that I do, so... Uh, you know, I had a little knowledge of some of the making of the film and some of their intent and, you know, some of that stuff that had been released before. And then also on our podcast, the animation station podcast, shameless plug, uh, we, (laughs) we also did a a review uh, a month or two ago about the book of life, which obvious Mm -hmm. comparisons have arisen since day one between the two films. And, you know, during that, you know, learned a lot about uh, the Day of the Dead and, and kind of all those traditions and, and some of that cultural stuff, which, you know, obviously is similar in Coco. So that's kind of where I went into it, um, you know, really looking at it uh, through that kind of a lens, not necessarily wanting to compare it directly to Book of Life, but having that as kind of a foundational piece of knowledge going into it which I felt kind of helped me a lot, understand a lot of the things that weren't kind of overtly explained in Mm -hmm. the film. Okay, so then we'll turn it over to Dan here and let Dan tell us how much he knew about this film. Are you uh, you making a Squared Co. sandwich here, Jared? Well, no, I just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think this one's easier for them to answer, so I'll I'll just... I can just say just like Dan. Yeah, exactly. So go ahead, Dan. Well, I I don't know know what answer you're expecting. So... 
for me, I don't know if this is a surprise, but I actually avoided uh, quite a bit. Um, so with with Pixar films, they are notorious, and same with Star Wars. We're gonna I'm gonna go there again. <laughs> they are both notorious for releasing like four or five trailers before the film, and each one gives away just a little bit more. Right. And by the time you're at like the fourth trailer, you're seeing bits from the the first act, the second act, and the third act all kind of meshed together, and you can start piecing things together. Yes. Um, you start getting themes, you start getting story points, you start getting, you know, I, so the first teaser, I was sold. I did watch the second trailer, um, and I think even up to the the, the final trailer, um, I, w- I watched. Um, <laughs> but it was that fourth trailer they just released, like, literally two weeks before the movie, I'm like, okay, this this is out of control. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't need to see any. So that one, I, I actually did. Uh, I did not watch. Um, I I knew what I knew from the 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 first couple of trailers, from the merchandise, obviously, and uh, just discussing it with friends. I avoided the books, uh, any reading of the 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 golden books or the mm-hmm. any of the novels or anything like that. So I actually avoided quite a bit and and I knew there were going to be some surprises in it and I wanted to avoid those at all costs. I didn't go through the Twitter hashtag Coco. <laughs> I didn't I didn't read reviews after they started coming out from Mexico. Um so I I but I knew oh I I definitely knew a bit about the film in general just uh overall um because because it's me. Right. <laughs> so obviously I knew a bit, but yeah. there were there were still so many surprises for me that that were there and so many hu- uh, humorous moments that that were left um that I went back and watched the trailers I'm like, "Dang, they showed like so many things that I didn't I didn't see and I'm so glad I saw them for the first time in the film." Um and right. that's only a recent development for me. I used to watch everything and and and, and <laughs> try to nitpick or not nitpick but try to dive deep into every trailer. Same with Star Wars and same with the Last Jedi. I've been avoiding it's the last It's so few. much better though, right? It is. It's 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 getting harder See? but <laughs> but I uh, I'm starting to for example for like the the uh, for the Last Jedi coming out, these TV spots, I'm starting to <laughs> avoid them. I'm good uh, where I'm at. <laughs> I just had to change the channel on TV like 30 minutes ago because one came on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just a better experience when when you go in completely fresh, yeah. especially when it's when it's you know a relatively simple story and knowing a, even just a little bit too much can yep. can ruin it for mm-hmm. you, you know. So yes, All right, that's, Jared, that's where I was at. Jared, round us out with that squared co sandwich you love so much. So I'm terribly disappointed at Dan's answer. No. <laughs> I had a feeling about that. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I'm kidding because I think you said it yourself is, is that you sort of learned this lesson from previous films, like mm-hmm. knowing too much isn't isn't fun. So I will say it is. Pre- I'm pretty similar to what Dan said, though. I I did watch the trailers uh, and I avoided the last sort of onslaught of I guess their TV spots is what tends to be the worst because they yeah, they really like a yeah they release a bunch of them uh, and so then you start seeing more dimensions of the film. So, but of course I avoid, um, I avoid reviews, early reviews. I avoid any kind of, uh, like you said, the books, any kind of books. I had the art of book about a month ago and it's been killing me not to look through that thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't pop it open either. <laughs> yeah. So I've kept Same. that closed on my desk. So I, I don't like to get spoiled. Pixar is usually pretty good about not releasing too much. Like they tend to release these like little, uh, scenes or clips that aren't actually in the film. But sort of set. Oh, like Dante's lunch. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I did, I did watch that one. Um, but other than that, I'd say 
though I've been anticipating this film since I think they announced it at one of the D23 expos and they showed us a little bit of a, like a concept art of the character and the title card and stuff. Um, so I've been very excited about this film, but as far as out and out spoilers, I, I did my best to, to avoid them. I didn't listen to the soundtrack. I didn't read the soundtrack listing, which oh, can that's be another deadly. One, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's another one is the, uh, the international trailers always are a killer. Oh yeah. There's they you always got to watch so much out more. Yeah. The Asian w- ones in particular seem to almost give away the entire <laughs> film. Well, you know what? The international trailers, I, from what I heard, that, that those cultures usually uh, rely more on emotion. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the emotional aspects of the film are kind of presented there in the trailers to draw in those audiences. Uh, but Jared, I did have a question. Since Pixar did have did approach you and you did some art pieces for Coco before the film, did <laughs> did you have to know anything going into doing those designs or did they show you anything um, just to get the feel or did you just go in based on what you knew from the trailers? So pretty much I did it uh, based on what I have seen from the trailers and from uh, the, the print, some of the print stuff, but I wasn't given mm-hmm. anything ahead of time. Nothing was. Gotcha. Uh, but I did do it and then I submit it to them and then they take it to the filmmakers and it gets approved by like Lee and, and, and uh, some other people who work specifically on merchandise. So the original one I did of the sort of family of skeletons around Miguel, uh, mm-hmm. I originally had Hector at the top and, and that one they did come back and say, without giving too much away, they said, uh, that's a bit of a spoiler. Can you take him out and put, uh, the other character in? Uh, so interesting. Yeah. So that also happened on a star Wars piece. I did. They're like, can you take the lightsaber out of Finn's hand and put it in Ray's?" I'm like, Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so did you piece it together then when they told you about the Hector thing? Uh, I just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I think as the movie's going through, I'm like, okay, I, I'm assuming that that's what the the case is going to be. So interesting. Yeah. So that's a little unfortunate, but um, yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting to hear. I was I was curious about that, so I'm glad yeah. I could, uh, asked that. Next uh, topic. Moving forward here, uh, just general thoughts on the movie. So this can, you know, previously in our movie re- reviews, we kind of made it. We did all of our positives and then all of our negatives. Um, for this time. Let's we can do either. So there's no real order. If you have uh, like a longer list of positives than negatives, you know, just whatever you feel like sharing. Um, let us know some of the things you liked and didn't like. Uh, Jared, let's start with you. Uh, this is going to be terrible because I, I hate <laughs> <laughs> answering nope. these questions. The positives. I loved I loved this film in general. I can just say I love this film. I love this film more than I thought I was going to love this film. And I was yeah. pretty excited for it. You know, obviously, one of the standouts for me was the was the look, the overall look of the film. Um, uh, the scope Definitely. of the film is probably like their biggest since maybe Wally, I guess, as far as like how much of a world uh, they created for this thing. Like yeah. it felt massive this time instead of just being like a couple of little sets or, you know, like Toy Story, everything's so small. Um, but something like this was uh, bigger, I think, than than anything they've done so far. Um, so that was probably my favorite thing of the film. I'll let someone go. Well, well I'm sure we'll come back around to each of us. <laughs> so you're saying the scope go. was... That's what you're saying right yeah, now? Yeah, so the look of the film, the, the, <laughs> the film was beautiful. The look of the film, but the scope of it, the size of it. Uh, I think yeah, so I'll piggyback impressive. off of that. Um, the 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 look for sure. Like, I love that it went with these bright, super saturated, and just vibrant colors throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, it made it just visually 
it was a fun movie to watch, like let alone the characters and the story just looking at it was beautiful. Um, so that's a quick one for me on the positive side. Uh, Gavin, what do you got? Yeah, I, I mean, same for me. The, the visuals in this movie were jaw-droppingly stunning. The, it's pure mm-hmm. eye candy. The, the saturation and the warmth of those vibrant colors was just, you know, so inviting. Everything just kind of invited you in. And, and that, that kind of went to that whole theme of family as well. I think everything about this movie was just so warm and inviting. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was the, the thing that that was the hook for me. And then I just feel like they yet again made another step forward in uh, animation on a technical sense. You know, the the lighting, the textures, you know, all of Mm -hmm. that was just yet again another step forward. And then when you talk about uh, character animation, especially in human characters, this this was spectacular. They're they're Mm -hmm. my favorite scene in the entire movie. Uh, may be my favorite animated scene ever. And it's the scene where you first see Miguel playing his guitar when he's up in his little crawl space and he's looking at Hector on the TV. And he closes his eyes and he's just plucking a little tune on his guitar and you can see his face and he's making those those facial expressions like mm, that was a good note and oh i love <laughs> i love the sound of it and you it was so so believable you felt that moment and you can understand that i don't know if anybody else here has ever played music or if you know even when you're creating art if you kind of get in that space where you're just like ah oh, that was a sweet spot you know right there <laughs> and you know just seeing that passion on the the face of that kid was spectacular Mm -hmm. because it was so believable. And I think that's where a company like Pixar wins over so many other companies a lot of the time because they have that believability. And that's that's where the magic really is for me. So uh, Mm -hmm. I know that was kind of a lot, but uh, I I love this film. And yeah, those are kind of the highest points for me. And then I thought the music was great and... Yeah, I'm going to have very little to criticize about this film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Dan, what about you? All right. Well, it's going to it's going to be hard for me to follow all that because I cannot emphasize how much you guys just echoed my thoughts. That I, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> and Gavin, that that scene for me as well uh, of him playing his guitar, that 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 quiet scene is so beautiful. That as soon as I saw that in the teaser trailer, I was like, I hope that scene is in the movie just like it is there. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy it, ke- it kept that essence and that same music and that same feel throughout that scene. Um, but yeah, going back overall, kind of like Jared, I was very excited about this movie, but I, I wasn't prepared for how much I was going to actually love this movie. Um, I have like 10 subcategories of why I love this movie. <laughs> so maybe we could get into those later on. But yeah. my overall thoughts are, you know, that just the, like Everybody who, not even just you guys, but everyone has been saying it. The animation is so rich, so stunning, so vibrant, so colorful. Um, the the music, the acting, the animation, the realism, the characters. I mean, everything. The story, the, the twist, the turns. Uh, I mean, it all, it is all just wrapped up in such a beautiful package and then tied with a bow at the end. 
Um, like you guys said, I'm going to have very little to criticize. When, when I saw the notes saying, well, you know what, we're going to talk about what you didn't like about this film. I, I've been thinking, I've seen, it, I've seen it three times now and I've been thinking about it. I'm like, what am I going to tell him I didn't like about this film? I got to say something. So, uh, no, absolutely love the film. I can't wait to dive deeper into it. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't, I mean, it's possible for you not to have any critiques or negative you know, points of the film. Uh, and those can be big or small, but yeah, don't feel like you have to just make something up. So you have a negative point on there. Yeah, no, I gotcha. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but so I'm going to go back to something Jared kind of hinted at, but uh, it's the scope. So for me, I didn't really know too much about day of the dead. Uh, so I, I mean, I kind of got the gist of it. It's um, before seeing this movie, but I really liked that they explored that idea from the, that culture, but they they gave it an actual world, a visual world. So when they go, I don't know what they call it, but to the other side, to where the dead live. That's a weird phrase. But <laughs> The um, land of the dead. The land of the it. dead. There you yeah. go. Thank you for bailing me out there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they, um, it was so cool to see, you know, that just they totally brought that again this is a weird phrase they brought that to life um and it's something that now a lot of people have a better sense of but that whole land of the dead it was it was really cool to see them bring that to life and just the scope of that like jared was saying was incredible Mm -hmm. and i think uh, we just talked about nightmare before christmas not not long ago on another podcast and uh, these are very different films obviously but what i liked about this film is similar to that in that it maintained this tone really well like it didn't Mm -hmm. veer off into trying to do something either too contemporary or to make it too edgy or cool or or joke it up too much like they stuck to this really uh, straightforward story and and uh they, they didn't like veer from that. And I love when films do that. Like, like, mm-hmm. like I said, even on nightmare before Christmas, like we didn't see like a, you know, a day of the dead Starbucks or something like that, you know, like where there could have <laughs> been this thing to sort of cross over and do all these sort of uh, jokey bits in that land. Uh, it was very uh, beautifully designed, but also just the maintaining of that tone I thought was, uh, was impressive because I think Pixar is getting so good at, um, stylizing characters i remember at first when i saw the skeleton characters wondering if it's going to look too jarring between this realist semi-realistic looking boy and then these sort of skeleton heads walking around and you know but they the way they did it all it was so seamless and it worked really well balancing that like stylization of the humans with these other more cartoony looking skeletons it just everything worked really well from a visual standpoint i think for me on this yeah, go, I, mean, I definitely and, agree. Dan, sorry, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's going off, I mean, both of you just really triggered some some great points. Mark, I wanted to just piggyback off of what you were saying with the culture. Um, it, I've had a blast learning about this, the culture, and specifically the Day of the Dead, as as the trailers have come on, and I've gone on other podcasts and different hangouts and talked with other fans, and researching and Googling all these different things <laughs> about the dogs and the alabrijes and, and the afrendas and and uh, w- what it means and what it is. Um, and then going out uh, and, and seeing the film and, and having um, a family of that culture who had just celebrated the Day of the Dead and showing me their afrenda at their home and seeing the marigolds and learning about all this stuff is just so amazing. And it's so much fun for me to see now the world learning more about it and seeing these people, like my family who has seen it now, they have just been 
enthralled with learning about this holiday. They're like, we want to celebrate this now. We want an ofrenda. You know, we want to uh, celebrate our ancestors like this. It's just so much fun to see. And I'm sure all these people uh, of this culture uh, are just so, uh, so happy that they're, that they're, um, their world is being represented in such a classy and timeless way um, mm-hmm. through all this hard work over at Pixar and all the research that they did. Um, and, and going off of what Jared said, I love how this film is so timeless and that they didn't have to throw in like Pixar does best, never needing a pop culture reference or mm-hmm. or, you know, making it making it seem um, dated in any way years down the road. It's just it's so beautifully done in that regard. So I love what you guys were saying. Yeah, I think what yeah. they did so well is that they, they there's an authenticness to the film. Yes. yes. And, and all the, the messages in it and the images that we see, they just feel authentic. And, you know, kind of to, to go off of what you were saying, Dan, I, I, I also have just kind of fallen in love with this whole sentiment of the concept of the Day of the Dead. And, you know, regardless of any personal subscriptions to religion or spirituality, I think we can all appreciate, you know, the core of something and and the sentiment involved in the Day of the Dead and, you know, this family aspect and just remembering and respecting and, uh, you know, venerating, you know, your own family and and those who laid the groundwork before you. It's a beautiful idea and the idea that you can kind of commune with them during this time is it's a neat, neat idea and I love it and I think that Pixar uh, portrayed it just beautifully in this film and they I feel like I kind of got to participate in that in a sense and Mm -hmm. you know I don't feel like I have an equivalent to that in my own kind of cultural upbringing and I I just think it's a really beautiful sentiment and I think they did a great job with it Uh, okay since everybody's being so overwhelmingly positive Uh we can go back we can go back to the positive um, but I'm going to have to just throw in this negative right now. And it's not even a big one because I, I really did like the film. And this is just to stir things up a little bit. But I get ready to pounce. <laughs> the dog, Dante, I could not stand. And I thought it was the ugliest thing ever. <laughs> like, obviously, they're talented. If you can make a skeleton cute, like, why does this dog have to be so freaking ugly? Like you can make him dopey looking, so he's unassuming as the guardian, but he was just uh, like almost off-putting to me. I didn't even from the trailers, I disliked him, and it certainly carried on into the viewing of the film for me. So, so I I say this often, and and I don't want to you know make it like I'm beating a dead horse, but uh, you're wrong. <laughs> you're so wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that dog was hideous. He was supposed to be though. Like, have you seen the real yes, dog that they're modeling? It. Yes. Yeah. But if you can, I mean, like I said, they make they can make anything cute, cutify it up a bit. For Dude, I have a toy right here, and this thing is cute, man. <laughs> Look at that tongue. Look at that tongue wiggle. It's That's fantastic. Right. <laughs> Maybe it is because I know what the dog looks like. It makes it worse because in real life they're even worse. Trust me, <laughs> I'm I'm all for cutifying things, but I thought he was <laughs> he was great. And what I liked on that one is he was. You know, he they didn't overdo it with him. Like they didn't use him more than they needed to. I thought mm. uh, he did have sort of more of a pivotal role, sort of towards the middle and end. But um, yeah, I mean, if it was too much of that, like joking stuff with him, it, it could get tiresome. But again, I think they handled that really well. But I I really liked his design, and I thought 
for for what they had to base it on, it was true to it without making it look like a completely different dog, but saying, <laughs> oh, it's one of these ugly dogs. So well, uh, I don't know. What did a, you guys think? Better dog. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother-in-law was saying that he was like, they got every because he he's he um, he lived in Mexico for two years mm-hmm. um, while he was he was uh, serving a, a mission for his church and he was like, dude, they got it so right. He's like, the only thing <laughs> is that those dogs, man, are so much skinnier because they're like on the street starving. Oh. He's like, but but he's like, obviously he understood why they they made him the way he right. was. So they could have made him so much more scrappier and so much worse. <laughs> but that would have just been sad. <laughs> I think that he was he was fine. But of course, it's all subjective. You know, all designs are. So I totally get it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's time for a non-perfect, non-cute you know, Disney Pixar dog. So to me, it just adds texture no. to the to the world, the catalog of dogs that are in Disney and Pixar films. I think, I think it was kind of refreshing to have kind of a scrappier, you know, really dumb dog in this movie. And I, like like Jared said, I thought they used him uh, sparingly enough that he didn't get tiresome. Uh, you know, I, I, he's kind of this movie's hey hey. He's just kind of a dumb sidekick <laughs> character for most of it. And yeah, I, I kind of liked that he was a, a little bit rough and a little bit ugly. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned Hey Hey, because I actually, I had seen some people mention that as well, but, um, and I would agree to an extent, but what I liked about Dante even more, um, Hey Hey did get a little, for me, a little tiring. His antics got a little tiring and it, and it never, at, in the end of it all, it never seemed to serve anything. I did like how they tied in Dante to being the spiritual guide and the whole time he was really trying to push Miguel towards Hector subtly where you didn't even catch on to it unless you see, see the film again, or at least I didn't. Um, and then the notion that, you know, animals can, uh, the the idea that has been around for a long time, that animals can see the spirits, you know, those who have passed on and that's why they sometimes act funny or bark at nothing or, and the fact that these, these type of dogs, I, I believe they're, they're abbreviated like Zolo dogs, um, that in the culture they are uh, noted as being spiritual guides. So I love mm. how there was a reason for his existence in the movie and that mm. it does tie into the story and the culture even more than a, a silly side character uh, yes. like Hey Hey. So I, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I was I was worried it was going to be more like uh, Gerald from yeah. <laughs> uh, Finding Dory. So exactly. uh, it was sort of refreshing, I think, the way that they, they handled it. But um, yeah, that's a small complaint, Mark, if that's your <laughs> only complaint or do you have a list of more complaints for us <laughs> to tear down. <laughs> no, I, I still I really like the movie. I do have another one, but it's not that big either. Um, it's actually let's get really, it out there. Yeah, it's really it's really similar. Um, the Hector he, the or um okay, take I, your time. You guys, I, no, I'm just scared because I know you guys are all going to pounce on we're, me again. We're oh, sharpening okay. our knives. Yeah. Hey, no judgments here, man. No judgments. It's a safe place. This is um, your thing. It's, 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 it's very similar to my complaint with Dante is that being such a big character in the movie, for me at least, he was not very likable. I did Hec- not. Hector, yeah. you're saying? Yeah, I was. He was. I, I get he's supposed to be like kind of hidden at his importance throughout the whole film. So I don't mm-hmm. want to shine the spotlight on him too much. But I mean, I never really started liking him until like the very end mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when he was kind of going head to head with uh, the the guy that stole his De La Cruz. 
Um, yeah. yeah, until that point, he was kind of, for, oh, not, I wouldn't say forgettable because he had so much screen time, but he was not very likable for me. So I've said this before on the podcast. <laughs> Are you going to say he's wrong again? <laughs> yes. How did you know? <laughs> he's I not likable, though. I loved this character from the mm. very beginning. From the moment he started talking, I loved this character. Like, it, he was really, like, Miguel is sort of the driving force, and, and obviously the story revolves around him. But I thought Hector was sort of uh, probably my favorite character from this film. Mm. Uh, just the way the, the actor portrayed it. Uh, the sort of goofiness that they gave this uh, very important character in the film. You know, he wasn't a uh, like a heroic character, though it was really in many ways his story as much as it was Miguel's. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, I really liked the goofiness, <laughs> but uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Let me throw it over to Gavin. Gavin, what did you think <laughs> of Hector? I, I yeah, I, I liked him from the beginning. I thought... Uh, he had a charm about him and, uh, you know, I, I kind of was almost more interested in him right from the beginning. Like he kind of, in some ways started to steal the show for me a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I liked it. You know, I, I liked his character design too. Everybody in the land of the dead, I thought was designed so well, even they had all the decorative details in their skulls and things like that. And it was mm -hmm. all, very subtle and, and uh, well done. But I, I liked his design more than anybody else's in The Land of the Dead. I just thought he had such a dynamic look about him and the way that he moved uh, was, you know, just so full of life. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was good with Hector. You know, I'm too new here to, to, to say that Mark is wrong or anything. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But, but I will say that I'm with Jared, man. He he was one of my he was a fan favorite for me. I I don't know. I, I liked his quirkiness, his personality. I like what the actor brought to him. Um, uh, just that that his first his first appearance when he was disguised as Frida, and he was like, <laughs> "I lied, I lied. I'm sorry. You know, this is me." So like, he's just so he was just so charming. I had a feel. I, he was one of the ones I was more excited about to learn more about mm -hmm. because I knew the actor was kind of a cool guy. You see him in interviews. He's kind of suave. He's kind of fun. Yep. Um. And he really brought that to the character. Um, so I, I will say I enjoyed him. Um, I yeah. hope that's okay. No, no, no. That's uh, fine. Course. Does anybody have any negatives? I mean, again, we don't have to, but do you have something you want to bring up? I have one, but it will totally take us on Let's another tangent. No, that's all uh -oh. good. Let's all right. Do it. It's that's called Olaf's Frozen Adventure. <laughs> oh, that is, oh. That's, that is a whole different no, no. thing. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a wondering. different movie. So right, we, right. we we don't, we don't have, have to tangent. We don't have to tangent. <laughs> it's a different. Yeah, I don't think we have enough time to to go but, off under that. But one. I get you. I hear what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> let's let's just that's for all the you fun have of to it. Say. Let's let everybody say one little thing. Well, a one just a quick review of what you thought. I'll start, and okay. then you guys can one, go after one me. One sentence. <laughs> too long. Too many songs. Okay, that's oh. my thing. Man, you just stole <laughs> the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Anyone else want to venture into it? It was um, unexpected for me. Like I didn't, I knew that obviously there's a short before everything, but that was not a short. That was really freaking long. Um, and it never, I don't mean, I don't want to be too mean because sure. I didn't, it, no, oh, we'll just move on. I like what Jared <laughs> said. Okay. Let the <laughs> other guys go. Gavin? I will say it Did was you? just as good as Frozen. 
<laughs> Very good. All right, Dan. Dan. I'll just keep it short. I'll just I'll just say it was unnecessary. Uh, that's a good one. And, that's a good one. Yeah, answer. it really, that's all it boils down to, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to tear it apart, but yeah. sure. <laughs> it wasn't needed for the movie. I, I wish that it could just stand on its own and people would flock to it because it's just a great movie. You know, Coco, yeah. that is. Yes. <laughs> okay. Jared, I, it doesn't sound like you have one, but did you come up with any negatives? Do you have one thing? Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you have I... to search for it, the answer is no. So you can say no, Jared. I, I guess, um, so here's the thing. The only thing I would say is uh, I have not, I've only watched this once, uh, so I don't know the music that much. The, a lot of the songs didn't stick with me as much as I had hoped for mm-hmm. because they're so pivotal to the thing. I don't think that the music was bad at all. I just think right. I, I have to see this thing a few more times for for those. I do like the 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 you know the remember me song is very good and that is sort of purposely catchy and it plays into it so emotionally that you kind of can't help but like that song i think um i think i want to go back and listen to it and sort of get it in my head and uh hear those songs i really did like that uh, song that they performed on the stage at the at the festival um but i couldn't yeah but i couldn't sing it to you now uh, so, um, so I, I, oh, and again, I <laughs> yeah, that's not a complaint. I got to see it three times like Dan, and then I'm sure I'll be singing this song. Yeah, I, I think I can agree. With, so for me, the music wasn't a positive or a negative. Um, it just, it wasn't super catchy. Like a lot of other animated movies that have song in them are. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good or a bad thing. Cause sometimes catchy isn't always positive. Um, let it go. Yeah, so it's not. We were all uh, thinking it, and you said yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, it's def. It's not a positive or a negative for me. It's just you know, it was part of the movie, and it was very important to the movie. But it wasn't. It, it didn't stick with me after, just like Jared was saying. So, do you guys want to chime in on the music, or do you want to say a negative? Move on. Up to you. <laughs> I'd love to talk about the music for a second. Did, sure. Did anybody else here get to see the the? Coco area and any of the Coco presentations that they did at California Adventure during the Halloween season? Yes. I, I watched them on, on YouTube. I wasn't able to see them live there at the parks. So. Okay. Um, I had the fortune to be able to experience that and they did a wonderful job and they did a, a little show out in the kind of main plaza area there where a singer came out and he sang all the main songs from the movie mm. and he, and he kind of gave a I little, I did not see that. Oh yeah. That's what, that's really good. Yeah. And they did, they had some traditional dancers there and it was actually fantastic. And the guy that mm-hmm. sang those songs had the most beautiful voice. I really, really loved his voice. And that was one of the things that really kind of got me, raised my excitement to a new level for the film when I saw that. And, you know, his dynamic performance of those songs really just kind of got me amped up. And I will say that if I had to criticize anything, I feel like the performances in the movie of a couple of those songs were a little bit more mellow or toned down. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted that Mm -hmm. energy that I felt in the park. And I get that it's a different environment and they're trying to, you know, ramp up a crowd in front of them. So there's going to be a little more energy for something like that. But uh, I kind of felt like some of the performances on the film were a little bit lackluster because of that comparison. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm, I'm kind of with Jared in that I really want to reserve judgment a little bit until I see it a couple more times, you know, and try not to compare it to that experience. But right. the songs themselves, I think, are 
absolutely beautiful. I love Remember Me. I think it, to me, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those instant classics. And I connected with it more readily than I did uh, How Far I'll Go from Moana or Let It Go from Frozen. Like, I, to me, that, that was one that really just hit me from the moment it started. So I love that mm-hmm. song. I think it's going to be one of those good Disney canon, Pixar canon songs. And uh, I can't wait to get the soundtrack and listen to it. Because again, you know, we spoke before about the authenticness of the film. And I think that the music is a big part of that. And, you know, the, the, the Pixar artists actually studied guitar players. And when Miguel or anybody's playing guitar in the movie, they were actually animating real finger positions and guitar mm-hmm. plucking techniques. So all of that is just so authentic. And... The soundtrack is no no exception in that, and you know, and then the score that Michael Giacchino did was just perfect as well. I I think yeah. the soundtrack here is it might be Pixar's best. It's it's really really good. All right, Dan. Yeah. So the first time they actually released the the songs, the three main songs, um, you know the the. Uh, the World is Smith Milia, Un Poco Loco, and Remember Me. Those were the core three songs they they, they uh, sampled um, to begin with. And mm-hmm. yeah, at first I was like, you know, those are fine. And it didn't really stick with me. And it's one of those things. I'm a, I'm a big music guy. And so I really internalize music. And it's one of those things where I, I heard it a few more times. And I caught myself humming it. I started learning the words. I, I started wanting to pull it up on my phone and play those little 15-second samples. Um, and then once I saw the film and saw them in the context, they, they, they just got that much better. Mm-hmm. And then, and then purchasing the soundtrack and then having it kind of re- on repeat in my car and really internalizing those. It, I can say that these, uh, it was a slow burn for me, kind of like you guys where it's like, okay, those are fine. But now I, I, the more I listen, kind of like with any kind of new album from your favorite artists or anything like that, sometimes you're like, oh, maybe not so good, not as good as the other ones. But then once you hear it more, it, it really starts to stick with you. And uh, um, especially um, all my family really, really loved Un Poco Loco. They've been asking mm-hmm. to hear it again. Remember Me is obviously, like you said, purposely um, a, a catchy melody um, and a memorable song. And I, I like how it's emphasized and uh, reprised several times so you can... Mm-hmm. You can have it with stick it so it sticks with you, and all the the reprises are very different from each other. I like that. You have like right. the lullaby version. You have the grand, um, you know, theatrical version. Then you have the end credits version, which is a bit more plucky, uh, a little bit more upbeat. So I think that was so cool. I really loved something. I was also surprised that I loved so much was the uh, the the La La Llorona song that mm-hmm. that Mama Emilda sings. I guess it's a traditional. Uh, Mexican folk song and I never heard it before and I find myself like turning that one on <laughs> more than some of the others sometimes even though I can't understand a word they're saying it's all in Spanish but it's so catchy so I, I ended up really loving the soundtrack and of course Michael Giacchino's score he never disappoints me especially a track that stood out for me was the Marigold Bridge when Miguel mm-hmm. first crosses over and that theme that kind of gets reprised a couple times during the film there uh, yeah. Beautiful stuff. Now, would Absolutely. you guys consider I, I, this movie to be a musical? Because I know Pixar kind of made a point of saying that it's not a musical, but I kind of came away feeling like it might ride that line close enough. Um, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I I can't I can't quite define it as a musical, but it's very close. I wouldn't. I think. I, I, 
Oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Mark, okay, so I'll, sorry. Go, I'll start. And then it sounds like everybody else has a response too. Um, so I would say no, because for me, a musical is, you know, they sing their lines. The only time that there was music being told was an actual performance in the, unless I'm forgetting something, but it was very purposeful um, when they had song and it made sense. It wasn't like, oh, I'm walking to the store and I'm going to sing mm-hmm. about all the doors I'm knocking on. You know, it wasn't, it was a performance every time they had a song. So that for me is the difference between it being a musical and not. First, I got to say, I love that song about uh, walking <laughs> to the store and knocking on the doors. It's, it's one, of my, one, of my, one of my favorite songs. Uh, but no, I think... One. I would agree. I think it's like a, it is a movie that has songs, but it's, I wouldn't say it's not a musical in the sense of, uh, like Mark said, like it's not a Moana just singing on her boat about what's going to happen or what she wants to do. Like the songs uh, are purposely right. performed, uh, you know, like, like they serve as songs in the film, but not as uh, like musical, I don't know what you'd call that, but like, yeah, musical lines or advancing the story through the music like that. But um yeah, but it doesn't matter. But that's yeah. that's what I say. What about you, Dan? Yeah, so I'm gonna go with with Jared and Mark. It is I, I would not classify it as a musical because the characters don't break out into song. Um, Pixar has always wanted to stay away from that kind of that I want type song, like all the Disney movies have. So in that sense, they still hold that still holds up. They 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 don't have that breaking into song or I want this or I want that. They are purposely performed, and if they're not performed, it's overlaid like at the end of the last song um, uh, that plays yeah. right before the credits. And so, and I love that they, they were able to add so much emphasis on music without making yeah, it a, really cool. an actual <laughs> musical. Yeah, and and I do have an insight too. The the original many years ago, we actually heard uh, someone made a comment. One of the cast said uh, said that, oh, yeah, uh, Pixar is working on that new mu- their first musical uh, that the movie based on the Day of the Dead. And it got a lot of buzz at that time. We're like, oh, Pixar's first musical. And we didn't know if it was misinformation or, or if it was just, uh, you know, misinterpreted, misinterpreted. But come to find out, I was talking to one of the, the filmmakers uh, during during a recent trip to Pixar. And he said that, yeah, actually, it originally was more of a musical. It was going to be Pixar's first musical, more of a Broadway style. Um, and Remember Me actually survives from that. Hmm. Um, it was one of the original, uh, from what I remember, and from what I understand him telling me, that was still in the film back then. But it was more of a Broadway style in terms of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they pulled back and they moved away from that and went more of the traditional Pixar territory where it's more of the, the songs are if the songs are there, they're being performed um, and not they're not randomly breaking into song. So I thought that was really cool that 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 it did change from a full on musical to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting because I, I did notice that the folks who wrote the Frozen music uh, did write the uh, Remember Me song for this. Exactly. And it seems to be that's the only song. I <laughs> yeah, and I think there was more. For. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I there think was. there was more at the time, yeah. And then they, they pulled back. Um, I think they got a few notes, and I think they went a little bit more traditional. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it was a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of the music, one more note uh, that nobody's mentioned. I just want to bring up the, the, the Everyone Knows Juanita song that – <laughs> Hector sings uh, before Chicharron uh, fades, you know, off and fades away. Right. That's another good one. I, I pop on <laughs> once in a while because it's just it's, it's clever. It's it's one of those witty little songs with a little punchline at the end, a little uh, you know, a little 
I guess I, I wouldn't say a gag, but it, it's it's yeah. a witty song uh, and it's it's funny. And and for that moment, they could have made it sappy. They could have made it a, a, type, a cry type moment. But I love how Pixar didn't just go the cheap, obvious route of trying to make someone cry in that instance. But they went for a kind of a humorous yet poignant moment in that in that scene. And uh, that was really well done. I, I think that's one of my favorite scenes in the film in that it's sort too. of it sort of blindsides you. You're not expecting it. It's not like it's building to that in the same way that the very emotional scenes at the end, you're you're kind of gearing up for that. You're, you know, you're <laughs> exactly. kind of heading towards that. But that one came out of the blue and it it, um, it explained a lot more of the sort of the, the mythology and the culture of what's what happens to these people if their picture's not up or if they're forgotten. And I thought mm-hmm. it was just a beautiful way to sort of to, to tell that part without like having someone just explain it to you. It was uh, so necessary. It was yeah. such a necessary scene. And it, 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 again, this was one of my favorite scenes too. just, just the way that it was done, the lighting in that scene, mm-hmm. the, and I love how it sets up story-wise the, the idea that this could happen to, to any of these characters, you know, especially Hector mm-hmm. th- that, that leaves it open to the fact that, Hey, this is Pixar we're talking about. They're going to reach for those heartstrings. Hector might not make it through the end yeah, of this. Exactly. And yeah, and I love the shot of of you know Hector taking a shot after in respect, kind of raising his glass to Chicharron mm-hmm. and and then putting it down face down, leaving one glass full. And Miguel, I mean, I'm getting the chills, man. <laughs> yeah. It was just so well done. I know we're spending some time on this scene. I, I know it had nothing to do with really the music. It kind of led us here, but such. Well, I want to cool I want to piggyback yes, off of. Good. um with dance this was like my big like and you know pixar is they're known for the feels and all of almost all of their movies it's very emotional um but that was for me probably my the biggest like in this um all of those pivotal scenes had so much emotion and you could really feel you know what they were trying to portray so you know the scene that gavin brought up in the in the attic, the little crawl space um, that Miguel created where he can kind of hide away and get lost in the music and his fandom for De La Cruz. Um, you know, you really feel him feeling the music and becoming one with it. That scene that we were just talking about where they let you know how what happens if you're forgotten. Um, it's the way it's lit. It's like it's dark and chilling without being scary. Um and mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. think it was moonlit. Yeah. Ultimately. Um, yeah. And then, you know, obviously yeah. at the end when there's a lot of tension and then you get the happy resolve, uh, it, there's just, there was a lot of emotion. And then the family theme throughout, um, you know, Pixar again, they, it's what they do best. And it's the one thing that I liked the most was all of the emotion that you can feel in every single one of these scenes. One of the other things they did really well, which I, <laughs> I can't help but notice in every single Pixar film, is water. Oh, my uh, God. Like, I think with each film, they're doing something different with water. And when they dropped yes. him into that hole and he was sort of swimming above that very deep pool, I, I mean, it kind of almost jolted me out of the moment because I'm it's like, oh, so, look at it, that water. That, me like, too. I, I remember like, that scene. Where yeah, I was yeah, same. It's water. like, obviously, the characters are animated and they're you know, the like cartoon versions of real people, but when they fall in that water, it's like, mm-hmm. that's real water. And that looks like real rock. It was, it was kind of a weird, I mean, they did a lot 
they did a lot with water and good dinosaur. Yes, that was another one where I'm like, thing. Oh my gosh, that water is fantastic. Uh, but was there anything like that for you, Gavin, that stood out animation wise specifically on a more technical level, like uh, more so than just a, an emotional story point, but uh, was there anything that sort of uh, stood out for you? Sure. I, I mean, I agree. The water moment there was amazing. The other thing that I really loved was the Marigold bridge itself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. My favorite color is orange. So this movie, Mine the, too. The, the palette for this movie was <laughs> my car is orange. Nice, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it, no joke. So the palette was made for me, and apparently Dan too. And the fact that they had at some sort of animation technique, you know, because they 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 build everything themselves, all of these, mm-hmm. you know, animation programs and softwares, and they yet again have created something where they can animate all these individual marigold petals and Mm -hmm. form it into a bridge, which is also a sort of a waterfall, which is also, you know, something that people are wading through and having all of these different physics acting upon it at all, at all times. And the way that it, you know, kind of blends into the land of the living on one end and then blends into the land of the dead on the other end. Like I just kept looking at that bridge and just, one part of my mind was just trying to dissect like what in the world are they doing here to make this magic happen? Like I can't even get my mind around how they can pull something like that off because it was so impressive. But then on an artistic level, it was just so beautiful. I I loved the aesthetic of it, the proportion of it, the, the curvature of it. It was, it was a beautiful bridge no matter what it was made of. And I just, that to me was spectacular. And every time they came to the bridge, I just, I loved it. And it, it's similar to the water, you know, because it reacts to, you know, them stepping in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. the scene where Hector's like trying to run across it, even though he doesn't have a pass and he kind of mm-hmm. sinks into it and, and they pick him up out of it. And just yeah. watching all the petals kind of soak him up and then fall off of him when they pull him out of it just another moment of spectacular animation that's really subtle and i think the average person isn't going to zero in on that but there were so many moments like that that stand out to me and again they're just they pixar never seems to take a step backward when it comes to animation quality Mm -hmm. i feel like the disney studios have done that at, at several points in time but I don't see any examples where Pixar has ever taken a step back when it comes to animation. And yeah. that's what's incredible. It, it's really impressive that they can still do that. And, you know, so that's, yeah. the, that's the one that stands out to me. That's a long answer, but <laughs> the, the bridge. What about you, Dan? Was there anything in particular that stood out a scene or a, you know, a moment? Yeah, animation wise? Yes, animation wise. Yeah, so I had a couple notes here in my animation subcategory. <laughs> the, uh, you know, something we've already kind of talked about the scope, but but the first thing to reiterate those wide shots of the cities, uh, the colors when they're on the trains and they're kind of talking on the back, and you're just seeing all of the city. Mm-hmm. It just blew my mind how they were able to light the scene, how they were able to animate all of those details. Just incredible. The other shot that stood out as far as wide shots were was towards the end when uh, De La Cruz is about to perform his Sunrise Spectacular at that big arena. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever seen so many, maybe cars, they have their big arenas too, but I don't know if I've ever seen so many individual characters in an environment like that, in an animated film. It just was, just wowed me. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you know, it's a, it was a sweeping overhead shot, mm-hmm. and you see all these skeletons in that giant arena, thousands of them. So that one really stood out. Another thing, animation-wise, more subtle, that's kind of the obvious choice, but is just the, the way that the, the skeletons break apart and, mm-hmm. and reform. Like when Hector just jumps down, his bones spread out, and then they get just, they, they go back to, they form Hector again. They all yep. kind of get sucked up back into him. And that happens many, many times during the film of, for, for all the different skeleton characters. And someone had to go in there and literally like <laughs> animate that. All those bo- individual bones moving back into position in the correct form multiple times. That happens a lot in the film. It happened right when Miguel met his uh, Papa Julio there in the graveyard and he runs into him and the bones spread out. Yeah. Uh, really, really amazing stuff. It's 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 more of like a, a smaller scale answer, but it's something that impressed me while watching it. Mark, is it my turn? I, or... Yes. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I just agreed with what you were saying, Jared. The water definitely is a thing that, that okay. stood out the most. Um, okay, so before we jump over to final verdict where we give our rating, um, one last chance for everybody. I'll go around the table here, positive or negative, you know, last words before we give our final rating. Uh, we'll start with Gavin. All right. Uh, well, there, there's a couple other things that I kind of wanted to point out as well uh, with the story itself, which I don't think we've talked a whole lot about the story. Mm-hmm. I really loved the the plot twists, um, particularly particularly to do with the family tree and mm-hmm. who we're led to believe for the first half of the film is his father and then who is revealed to be his father. I think they played that perfectly. Mm-hmm. I was surprised and pleased by the way that that ter- made its turn. I'm not one of those movie watchers who from the moment the opening credits roll, I'm trying to guess the ending. So <laughs> same, dude. Same. I don't. Yeah, my I don't, wife is always trying to guess it. Exactly. Like, just watch the movie. Yeah. So I, to, to, because to me that's not yeah. fun. Like if I guess the ending, then I might as well just get up and leave. <laughs> I like to let it unfold, and I felt like they did it very well. And you know, I kept coming back to that picture that he had, where the with the head ripped off of the male figure. And they did it so convincingly that I kept saying, even when I had moments where I thought, oh, it might actually be Hector, but I kept going back, no, that picture, it's, it's got to be Ernesto, <laughs> yeah. right? It's got to be. Like, that's, that's Ernesto. And the way they did that, I thought was perfect. So I thought that was cool. What I also thought was neat is that, and I may be wrong on this, but I feel like we have Pixar's first on-screen murder. Mm-hmm. Damn. Right? I don't think that we ever actually see murder on screen until we see this movie because we see him get poisoned and then we see him drop on his face and die. Right, right. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you've seen characters, you've seen villains meet their demise. You see Hopper die and Syndrome die and and these different characters. But you're right. I think this is would be the actual like first murder, which is, you know, that's dark, (laughs) but they handled it so so good. Right. So, so, well. yeah. so to me, that's very impressive that they could have something so dark in this movie and it doesn't kind of ruin it. It doesn't kind of create a pall over the thing. It, it just, it's part of the story and it made sense and they just worked with it. And I thought that was really, really cool the way that they were able to yeah. do that. Cause that's a risky thing to put in a film, you know, cause you know, kids are going to ask about that and you know, I'm not a parent, so I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> I just go and watch whatever I want to watch. But I, I, I always I see something like that and I think, ooh, um, okay, I guess Pixar can get away with murder now. Well, I think it, it didn't feel <laughs> like murder. 
in a sense because they were brought back um you know in the afterlife so he still existed um so it's probably how that's they true. kind of were able to keep that in and make it not as dark um but yeah it's a and there was sort of a, a point. Yeah. it was it was like a sepia tone memory <laughs> uh and it was like a there was kind of a telenovela dramaticness to the yeah. you know like it felt very uh big so i think it wasn't because it wasn't very emotional for for what they were conveying in that moment yeah. it wasn't like played up for like uh emotion exactly. but it's still i yeah. think you're right so, Gavin. that's the first on-screen pixar yep. murder <laughs> i thought about that the minute it happened too i'm like wow <laughs> well and then later in the film he attempts murder two other times you know <laughs> that's I, true with <laughs> miguel holding him yeah. off the ledge or throwing him off the ledge yeah so i mean there's some real darkness you know i like how they played the ernesto character because he almost has that you know to go back to frozen sorry <laughs> but he has that kind of haunts turn in his character where at first you're like oh Hans is good and then mm-hmm. instantly you understand oh wait no he's the opposite of good <laughs> right exactly and I thought they did so, a good job with that so Dan you have a list I know you can you can <laughs> try to get as many in as you'd like in this last mm-hmm. go around before our final says <laughs> oh yeah I don't want to take uh, too much time but I'm glad that Gavin did bring up the story aspects because we didn't ha- actually go too much there um, and with the twists, I, I knew I, I had seen some tweets that, uh, Hey, get ready for you know, some t- twists and turns. It's really <laughs> great. And so I knew there were some twists and turns, but still while watching it, I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't predict it. When you watch it again, it's like, it's all right there in front of you. They, they have so many foreshadowing moments and so many hints that are played obviously perfectly because you don't, I know some people predicted it, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was laid out so perfectly to the point where I was very surprised when the twist did happen. Um, but then in another sense, they they threw it out there for you. I mean, they, they have so many hints leading up to it, even down to this is something I didn't catch. But one of my coworkers told me the guitar even has a gold oh, tooth on right. it and Hector has a gold tooth. <laughs> and I did not even catch that. It's right there in front of you in the merchandising <laughs> and everything. And, and I never even considered it was drilled into me that in the marketing that Ernesto wears his great great grandfather and that's just all I thought of I didn't think otherwise during the film so um I just love how Pixar does their twists um I have here um if you don't know anything about the film the first twist is first of all that Ernesto is his great great grandfather that's a twist in itself because he has this idol the next twist is that Hector who seemingly didn't like music plays the guitar and played with Ernesto or, or was a part of his performance or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's the next twist is that he picks up that guitar and plays it. The next twist is that Ernesto, you know, killed Hector for his <laughs> songs and that um, Ernesto didn't write any of his songs and that he's just <laughs> performing this big act this whole time. And then another <laughs> twist on top of that is that Ernesto wasn't even the great, great grandfather, but Hector is. I'm like <laughs> layer upon layer upon layer. It just gets better and better. Uh, so I love the story. If anything, I've been thinking about my negatives. Uh, and, and if anything, it would be that we have seen that villain twist mm. so many times, countless times in Pixar and Monsters, Inc. and Up and Disney films. But then in the end, I, I, I think that it was necessary for the story. And I do like how it unfolds. It does feel a little different than the other times. Uh, these things have happened. Oh, even down to um, Lotso was another one mm-hmm. um, in Toy Story 3. 
but it really doesn't bother me as much anymore. It just it just seems like it was it's needed for the story. Um, and I like that Ernesto turns out to. I, I like that he he meets his second demise there because he just showed no remorse when Miguel was like, "Hey, didn't you feel bad when you when you <laughs> left your family?" And he's like, "You know what? I had to seize my moment and and I had to, did what it took." And he I knew something was up when when he showed no remorse for for leaving his family. I'm like, this isn't the message they're going to leave. I know that, to, yeah. that it's okay to leave your family if it's, if it's for something like this. Right. Um, and so, so the fact that they made him the bad guy because of that and because he turned out to be not likable, I feel like that tied, tied everything together and made that, that twist okay and justified. Um, so that was really my only negative, but then it ended up being more of a positive <laughs> anyway. So, um, but yeah, so I guess there was, there were some familiar story beats, but ultimately they turned it around in a, in an original mm-hmm. way that, that mm-hmm. they hadn't done before. So, um, really, I, I just want to leave with, with that. It's, that it's a beautiful film. We've said it many times. The world building is fantastic. The music's great. Every detail that Pixar puts in, um, the, the research, the work. Uh, the, even the Easter eggs. I mean, we could talk twenty minutes on the Easter eggs in there too. Um, the the layers, the message, the uh, everything. You know, I love how Pixar does the not obvious message. You think going into this, it's about seizing your moment, about following your following your dream, and you know that's pretty standard, and it is about that to an extent. But there's more layers. It's not only about seizing your moment, following your dream, doing what it takes, but then there's also the power of music. That's a sub message, um, which is another thing, and then. A, Ultimately, in the end, the whole thing is about about family and putting family first and our connections with our ancestors and remembering those who have uh, passed on and those, um, you know, remembering their legacy and um, and, you know, where our talents and our traits come from and and, you know, doing our family uh, history and and keeping maybe a diary or journal and and documenting our our life and events for those who um, you know, come after us. And, and all that is, I've never seen any of that in a, in a, in represented like that in a film before, especially an animated film. And that is what Pixar does best. They take these themes that you would never have even seen in a film before, especially one geared towards families and children um, and represent them the way that they did. So my hat's <laughs> off and it's, 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 I can't, I'm, I'm going to have to see it one more time before it leaves the theater. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's my rant. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for final ratings. Um, just so everybody's caught up to speed on how our rating system goes. I'll run through it um, pretty quick here. So we have four uh, potential ratings uh, starting at the top going down from best to worst. The top is see it again. And that is it's so good. You've got to see this movie multiple times. Then we have see it later. Um, you def- It's definitely worth a watch, but maybe you don't have to. Go out of your way to see it opening weekend um, or even at the theater at all. Um, the next one is see it at home. Um, pretty self-explanatory. You can wait till it gets home and watch it on Netflix or something. Uh, and then see it never is the worst. Also self-explanatory. So bad. We don't recommend <laughs> anybody seeing the movie. I don't think anybody's going to go with that as a rating. Um <laughs> Hmm. Have you done reviews where you have um, before? Our, so our, Mark, our yeah, it review, Mark. we had one. There was four yeah. of us again, and we all had one. Uh, we gave the each one of us had a different rating, so there was one for each one. Oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, so I think for this one, uh, 
I'm pretty confident with what everybody's going to give it. I will start <laughs> being the one that's not going to give it that rating. Um, and I'll say that for me, the rating I'm giving it is see it later. There is nothing wrong with this movie. I'm ready for Jared to give his line that he's given two or three times already. <laughs> he's uh, already shaking his head. There's nothing wrong with the movie, but there's just there's not enough in it for me personally to revisit this film. I really enjoyed watching it um, the one time. I don't know. I'm sure I will see it again at some point, but I'm not in a hurry. There's not enough pulling me back to the theater to see this one. Uh, we'll f- uh, so, Mark, what what uh, I'd like to save Dan for last. Sure. I want to ask him a question in conjunction <laughs> with this. But uh, I wanted to ask you, where does this sort of fall then on your Pixar scale? Uh, it doesn't have to be a number, but like maybe, you know, you like it better than this, but less mm. than this. All right. So I like it better than Ratatouille. Oh, you should. And then... Mm. <laughs> Interesting. It's worse than up Wally and all the Toy Stories. Also okay. interesting. Yeah. That's rough. <laughs> uh okay, so let me go next. Mine's uh, obviously see it again. Uh see it again. I think you can see this thing a few times. Um so uh, you know, I get very excited for Pixar films no matter what it is. Even if you it's a film that people uh, might not love. Ultimately, I'm still excited to see what Pixar is doing in the film. So, um, uh, you know, I can't help but love this film. But I will say that it it reminded me of how I used to feel about Pixar films when they came out. <laughs> like it's gotten to the point now where the quality level for Pixar is so high that everyone's like, yeah, it's amazing, whatever. <laughs> uh, but this was the first one to sort of break through that and sort of reawaken that like magic of Pixar films and of seeing a Pixar film in the theater for the first time. And, um, and, and knowing at the end of this thing that I could not wait to go back and see this thing again. Whereas with maybe some of the other films, some of the more recent films, I I didn't necessarily feel like that. Uh, but this one really got me very, it felt like classic Pixar to me. So for me, this ranks probably in my top five Pixar films and that could grow as it, as I continue to see this more. Um, so I will end there and give it to Gavin. All right. I am rating this as see it again and again and again and again. <laughs> yes. And, you know, kind of to piggyback on what you were saying, Jared, I, I agree. I, I felt that that old Pixar excitement that we all mm-hmm. know and love once again. And I think it may have something to do with the fact that this is an original story sandwiched mm-hmm. between four sequels. You know, it it went Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, and then we've got Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4. And I think while a lot of those franchises are great, it does get a little tiresome. And that's kind of, you know, something that Pixar fans have to deal with right now. But the fact that it was original and that it was just so spectacular really kind of brought a lot of that Pixar magic back for me as well. I honestly, I can't wait to see it again. And right now, I'm... I consider this quite possibly Pixar's most perfect film. It may not be my very favorite, but I think it is absolutely perfect. I, mm-hmm. I, there's so little to criticize about it, really, that they've, they've outdone themselves once again. <laughs> and I, I can't recommend this highly enough. And I think it's recommended for audiences of all ages. You know, they, they rode the line so well 
where I think there's plenty for kids, plenty for adults, and it's a wonderful story with a wonderful theme. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Go, I Coco. Agree. Um, so for Dan's question, I want to add on to it before you actually got to see this film at Pixar, um, which is pretty amazing. (laughs) Um, so I wonder if before you go into your final review of it, if you can talk a little bit about uh, your experience seeing it at the studio and then wrap it up with your, with your, uh, your final take on the film. Sure. Yeah. yeah, It was very special, obviously seeing it, it there where, where it was ultimately created and it was in their their main screening room there in the Steve Jobs building. And we did watch it in 3D, which I'm not usually a fan of. Um, but I don't know if it was the way that the film is in general or if it's just the quality of their screening room. But I actually loved seeing it in 3D. Mm-hmm. It, it really popped. I don't know if I would pay for it a, again in 3D here, um, but I might because it was really cool uh, to see it. I, I think it was it really lent itself well to 3D and um, seeing it there with the family and friends of the creators and, and sitting through the credits and just awe and just that silence as as all the credits rolled and all those passionate people, you know, the work that they all brought to this film and and seeing that tribute at the end. If you stayed through the credits, you see that each one or at least many of the filmmakers uh, submitted a a loved one, an ancestor who inspired them, and and they and they all go up on the screen all at the same time with a, with a beautiful quote talking about you know to to those who came before us who inspired us something along those lines, mm-hmm. and just sitting there after uh, after that that film just rolled, it, I think everyone was just everyone was wiping their tears. <laughs> you heard the sniffles, the 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 tears were earned. It was so sincere. Uh, I, I leaned over to who I was with and I said, "Can we?" we put that on on again or what <laughs> like i wanted to watch it again right away so obviously that's going to be my rating is 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 see it again and i have <laughs> um and but not only that my family wants to see it again like I, I i brought them a couple of days ago for the first time i was so excited i had to wait uh 12 days in order to be able to talk about it with them and, and to introduce <laughs> them to the characters which was so hard and i was so excited to bring them them to this film we took up almost two rows and and they loved it. My dad doesn't usually respond very well. I mean, he gets with other cultures. He doesn't. Um, I don't know. I haven't really seen him respond much to, to other cultures. And he falls asleep during <laughs> movies a lot and that kind of thing. I'm like and, and, and sometimes with accents, he, he kind of tunes out. He, he he doesn't do well. But like he left the theater saying that this this was possibly one of his favorite Pixar films. And I couldn't believe it. I thought that he was I was going to look behind me and see him sleeping. Um <laughs> And and I was and, and my whole family after my, my siblings were posting on Facebook for their friends to see it um, and, and telling everyone how beautiful it is. And so already just within my family, there's that word of mouth. And, and my dad asked me tonight, he said, hey, when are we seeing Coco again? <laughs> and so obviously it's it's it has that repeat repeat viewing uh, for, for many people. Um, and and my family was was no different. And I I like what Gavin said, that it, it really is. I, I've been trying to find plot holes and flaws and it, and it really is a very flawless movie. And he said it so well that it maybe not is my favorite Pixar movie because there's just so many and it's hard to choose. Mm-hmm. But I would say that it might be one of their most story wise and everything else. It might be one of their most flawless. It's just so intricately put together and so detailed and so rich. And every little moment is so thought out story wise to make sure that it all connects and that it doesn't contradict um, when you're watching it. That you watch it again, 
and you're not like, oh, well, that's a continuity error there or that mm. that doesn't make sense once you realize this. A lot of films have that. Um, even Pixar films have had that before where you think back, you're like, ooh, that doesn't quite work, you know, thinking about it. But we but we uh, we move along because it's such a good story. Mm. This one, I literally can't figure out anything wrong <laughs> with with it, um, except for like I mentioned, some of those maybe things story points that have been done before but then they turn them around into something original mm -hmm, sure. um so those are those are my overall thoughts i i, I still can't rank it in there uh, i i don't know where it would be um but i really hope that the film continues to do well at the box office i think tonight the numbers came in and it did come in number one it was in some of the top i can't remember the top i can't remember the number but it was a one of the top four thanksgiving weekend um, for films. I don't yeah. remember if it was animated or, or overall. Um, Mexico, it's obviously now the number one movie there um, of all time. And I really hope it continues to do well um, because of us spreading the word to our family and friends that it's such a special film and such an important uh, message to share. Absolutely. Awesome. Mark? That's it for me. I'm good. <laughs> so um, before we sign off, I just want to say thank you to both of our guests. Um, it was great getting to meet you guys, spend some time uh, talking about this film. And, you know, I think we covered uh, a few other things. Um, so it's always fun to do these movie review reviews, but we really do appreciate your time and coming on to chat with us. So thank you so much. Thank you for inviting us. And we'll honor. definitely uh, put notes in the in the episode notes. We'll put links to uh, both of your websites so people can check those out and, uh, you know, see the... Uh, merchandise onslaught from Dan and uh, <laughs> and hear Gavin disagree with his co-host uh, <laughs> on each episode. Is it, is it, All day, is every it possible day. Is for po podcast hosts to not disagree? I don't think I've come across one where they're all on the same page all the time. Uh, that's How what's boring. entertaining. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. That's it for today. We will see you later. <laughs> Say goodbye, remember me Don't let it make you cry For even if I'm far away I hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you Each night we are apart Remember me Though I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you The only way that I can be Until you're in my arms again Remember me Know that I'm with you, the only way that I can be. Oh.